0: Dave did an awesome job, didn't he, remembering all those names? It's tricky, isn't it? And he did a great job introducing me with my name. What some of you might not know is that I generally go by Donna, but that's not actually my name. My first name is Donna Jo. There's a hyphen in there, and I don't have a middle name. Now, like most names, my parents agonised over it. I'm sure the children that were up here, the parents wrestled with what to call their kids. My parents chose my name for a particular reason. My name holds some of my family of origin history and their story, the backstory. It holds some precious meaning and it holds a reverence to people that were precious to my parents. So I'll give you a little bit of a glimpse into why I got called Donna Jo. My mum grew up in a Jewish family, a practicing Jewish family, and my dad grew up in a practicing Mormon family. Now, both of them had arranged marriages and both of them had failed first marriages. Back then, this was a really big deal. Divorce was very taboo. It included being ostracized by their immediate family and friends, by all that they knew that was familiar. They were really just put out of their their culture, their communities, and they were left to themselves. So back then, my mum couldn't have a bank account in her name, she couldn't own a car. There were a whole lot of things about being divorced, no social security they had life was life was really hard now my dad's cousin ann introduced them to each other she also introduced them to jesus which was life-changing life-changing for them now in that as they got together and got married and just started following jesus the only people in their world that were really supportive encouraging that stood behind them and cheered them on were ann's parents my dad's uncle don and auntie joe did you get it (laughs) can you see what my parents did there (sighs) donna joe now along with that as you know just happens to be donna means woman and joe means god is gracious so my parents in their new found faith in life that was very hard decided to call me a woman who god is gracious to and I'm really grateful for that now as a kid maybe not so much it was really hard to go around anyone else grew up with petticoat junction and all of it was really hard now you might wonder why would I tell you all of that that my name is Donna Jo I tell you because we're starting a new series name above all names now we might call God a whole lot of things a lot of titles normally but he actually has a name A name that he didn't reveal for quite a long time a name that he revealed to one person in a conversation and we're going to learn a bit a bit more about that this morning so I talked about titles when we read so the Bible starts with Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God God created the heavens and the earth now that word that we see in our Bibles as God is Elohim now El is the root word for God Eloah is singular elohim is plural how beautifully does that tell us about the god who is one but also is the god who is three who created the heavens and the earth isn't that lovely but it's a title it's not his name it's like you could call me woman i am a woman but it's not my name another title that will come across in scripture quite a lot is adon or adonai now that could be translated as lord Or king or master It could be a governor It could even be a shepherd over his sheep It's somebody who is in charge Now that's a great title for God Because he is in charge He is the king of kings So often we'll see Adon or Adonai in scripture But again it's not his name The other thing that we might see sometimes Is the word Hashem Now forgive me all those fluent in Hebrew For my very bad accent It's a very Australian twang with no (coughs) In there but Hashem is the name the name the name that's too precious to say the name we'll also see that but it's not God's name it's not his name it's just a title so all of these words we come across throughout scripture but they're not God's name aren't you curious now to know what his name is yeah, yeah hopefully you are you probably already do I might have just been preaching to those who already know in Exodus 3 as we come to this story of Moses meeting God we get this beautiful story now as I said before God hasn't already revealed his name to anyone up until this point now in this story we see Moses being invited into relationship with God we see him wrestle with that protest about something and, and have a bit of a hissy fit but in that he pushes back into God and he says what's your name and that's where god reveals his name and moses records it for us as four letters now we get four consonants because the hebrew doesn't record written vowels so we've got four consonants now i love this luke's so great when he made the slides hebrew is read right to left and we read left to right so he luke's lined them up right to left isn't he great so now these hebrew letters and again i haven't got the <coughs> happening are yod he war and he But there's lots of in there that I'm not saying properly. Now, those four letters are very precious and they make up God's name. The problem we have is that without the vowels, the pronunciation was a mystery. So the first people that said it would have known how to say it. But over the centuries, as the Hebrew scribes continued to um, make scrolls and write down the stories, the name became so precious that nobody wanted to say it. So they came up with a visual cue of writing in either Adon or another one of God's titles above or below or beside as a visual cue to remind the reader not to say these four letters. They were too sacred. But in the confusion, as Christian scholars came along, not knowing that these were visual cues, started to add letters in, and we lost the, the correct pronunciation. But the the best way we can say it now, the most accurate way we believe it would be would have been said from all the thousands of years of scholarly research is that we would say Yahweh that's how we would pronounce God's name today all of that the most important thing to note is that when you see other titles for God in the Bible you'll see maybe a capital L but lowercase o-r-d but whenever you see Yahweh When you see it written in the Bible, you won't necessarily always see it as Yahweh. What you'll see is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Often the L will be a slightly larger font, but that's the clue. When you're reading and you see that, it's actually God's proper name. It's Yahweh. And I think that's pretty cool. So as you read through, you'll start to pick up and you'll go, oh, that's Yahweh, not just Lord as in Adon or Adonai. Now, Hebrew, along with having no vowels, is a very picturesque language. And it's important for us to know that. The same way Mandarin is, each, each uh, letter will stand for a picture or an image. And we'd say image speaks a thousand words. So tied up in this is a lot of information that we can sometimes very easily miss. Again, there's so much mystery here. As much as we've had thousands of years of wrestling with what this means, this is still human's best guess. I know because the sum of it is too big for us to nail down. It's like trying to hold water. But those four letters can best be transliterated as to be, to exist, to cause, to become, to come, to pass. And together, we put them together and we get I am who I am, I will be who I will be, or I am what I am or I will be what I will be there is still mystery in that very hard to explain but the idea behind it all is that God our God Yahweh is completely self-existent that he is what he does and does what he is that he doesn't depend on anyone or anything he simply is and he has a name And he invites us to come in, to know him, to have a relationship with him, to come closer, to learn more, to know him by his actions and to know him by his name. You and I, we might act kindly, but we're not kindness. God, if he acts kindly, it's because he is kindness. If he acts lovingly, it's because he is love. If he acts justly, it's because he is justice. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. As we move through our series over the next few weeks, what we're going to discover is that other people have given God names through the character traits that he's displayed, through his actions, how they've encountered him, what's his response to them looked like, and they've named him for that. Because God is what he does. But today, as we open up God's word together, I really want you to see That God's name is revealed to us in a story because he's a personal God. That we get a lot of information out of the story about who he is because of what he does. And what he's like. And we're going to explore the story together. So if you have your Bibles or a device, we're going to start in Exodus 3 verse 1 and read through the first few verses to get up to 6. Then we'll pause and have a chat. And then we're going to skip a couple and head back in. So let's have a look together. If you've got a Bible or a device if not it will be on the screen so let's start with chapter 3 verse 1 now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush Moses saw that though the bush was on fire it did not burn up so Moses thought At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I've got a friend. I want you to just, just pause there with me for a second. There's so much happening here. Now, if you haven't followed the story so far from when we started in Genesis 1 1, a lot has happened. If you're not familiar, a really quick recap will be to go back and just read Exodus 1 and 2. It'll at least give you the heads up on who Moses is and why he's in the backside of the desert. That's probably really helpful. But Moses, we find him, he's in the wilderness. He's working. It's an ordinary day. He's got his father-in-law's sheep. Now, there's so much in here that we're not told. We're not told how he knows that this is the mountain of God. Now, some of your Bibles will say Sinai, some of them will say Horeb, same place. A really significant spot of ground. And throughout the Bible and throughout history, it's been a really significant. It still plays out to this day. So we're not told why Moses led his sheep there. So it's an intentional thing. He didn't follow his sheep. He led the sheep there. We don't know why and we don't know how he knew that that's what it was. But what's most interesting is how god appears to him so again it's a title angel of the lord is a title it's not his name we don't know uh why he's chosen to use that title but he has god appears in flames in a bush that is not burnt up what an awesome picture of a god who is completely self-existent he doesn't need fire doesn't fire normally consumes Our God doesn't need to consume anything. He just simply is. What an awesome picture of his holiness. The ground is holy. Now, we've come across Moses has seen there's a bush and it's on fire and it's not burning up. And he's thought, that's curious. I'll go and investigate. I love the words, and when God saw that he turned aside, that's when God spoke. I really want to know. Would he have not spoken if he didn't turn aside? Would that have changed history? We don't know. I'm just, you know, because I'm curious god uses moses's name not once but twice again why in hebrew that would have been for added emphasis it would have shown a sense of urgency but i love the idea that god knows his name there's already millions of people on the earth at this point this god is a personal god one man backside of a desert looking after some sheep not a particularly outstanding man just a guy God knows his name. How cool is that God calls Moses by name before God introduces his name? I think that's a beautiful way to introduce the conversation. Now, you and I, with our ears, English, you know, Greek thinking, modern day ears, might think, what a strange reply. God says, Moses, Moses. And Moses doesn't say, yep. He says, here I am. Why would he say, here I am? God knows where he is, he's not hiding. (laughs) standing in front of a burning bush here I am what a strange reply it actually signifies a willingness to listen a willingness to obey think Samuel or Isaiah Isaiah's response here I am send me that's what it's signifying I'm present I'm here I'm ready I'm listening and then God gives two instructions did anyone else pick on that two things to do The first one is don't come any closer. This is holy ground. That's pretty cool. The second one is take off your sandals. The holiness of God is revealed and then his identity. Then God says, I am the Eloah of. So again, title. And this is when Moses became afraid to look. So it wasn't until Moses knew the holiness and identity of what he was looking at that he realized the significance and became afraid to look. I think that is pretty awesome. We're going to head back in and we're going to start in verse 10. Now we're going to skip those couple of verses that God tells Moses that he's seen and heard the suffering of the Israelites in Egypt and he has a plan to rescue them. So let's pick up the story in verse 10. So now go, God is saying, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am i that i should go to pharaoh and bring the israelites out of egypt and god said i will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is i who have sent you when you have brought the people out of egypt you will worship god on this mountain some really brief things and then we'll move on a bit further this isn't the end of the conversation if you've read the story the conversation actually goes on for a couple more chapters god's already said i've seen and heard now you know now go God's plan to free the Israelites from slavery involves Moses. Moses doesn't feel capable and in fact humanly speaking is not he's absolutely not capable. but God's statement "I will be with you makes all of Moses's abilities or inabilities completely irrelevant. And God's sign that he is who he says he is, isn't going to be evident until long after moses's obedience that's pretty cool isn't it the way moses is going to know that this was god is that there's now going to be a couple of million people worshiping in the same spot moses is right now and he won't know that it was god until then that's pretty awesome let's read them verse 13 moses said to god suppose i go to the israelites and say to them The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And I'm going to stop there. Moses wonders if people will ask the name of God. Again, not an unusual question. Very polytheistic society. God hasn't been seen or heard from for about 400 years. Not an unusual question. What's your name? Remember, God has already described himself as Eloah, the God of God waited until this point in history to reveal his name. If we turned over the page and read from Exodus 6, verses 2 and 3, we would read, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord, Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai, God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. How cool is that? It's at this point God's revealing his name. Moses wanted to know more. It's not just the God of your fathers is sending you. He's like, I want to know more than just that. What's your name? If you're ever going to be pushy about something in life, this is the thing to be pushy about, wanting more of God. I love the fact God didn't rebuke him. Surely flames in a bush that's not burned up, surely a voice out of the bush would be enough. But no, Moses is desperate for more. And God doesn't tell him off, God responds. God responds, Yahweh, I am who I am. And then he says, This is so cool, he even gives Moses the correct grammar. He can't say, I am, because that would be Moses speaking. So he says something else, he says, Eh, yeah. He says, Tell them, Eh, yeah, has sent you, that I am has sent you, but with correct Hebrew grammar. That is so cool. So like God. God yahweh was the god they'd known from the beginning the god that had met with abraham with isaac and with jacob but now we know his name this is the personal name of israel's god and it appears over six and a half thousand times in scripture that's pretty cool it's his name forever the name are to call him and it goes on from generation to generation and each time we see it in Scripture, each time we use it, we have another opportunity to learn more about him. But from this story, what can we learn today? I think we can learn a whole heap. I'm just going to name a few, and I'm sure you will have learned more. I've learnt that God is holy. In other words, he's set apart. He's completely other. I've learnt that he exists, and he has never not existed. That he sees human suffering and hears our prayers. That he chooses to act through people and the world he created. That he has plans to redeem his people. Not just to bring them out of slavery and suffering in a life apart from him, but to bring them to him, to relationship with him, to an abundant life. And I've learned that God calls those who are willing to turn aside and listen. And he calls them into partnership with him. That he doesn't need those he's calling to be capable his presence is enough and i've learned that he's not limited by time or space or location his name is who he is his name is yahweh and what an incredible privilege what an honor it is to know his name to use his name to call on his name to pray in his name As we move through the series and we discover how other people have encountered and had God reveal himself to them, I'm hoping that God will reveal himself to us. That's my prayer. That each one of us will come away from this series with a fresh revelation of who God is, how he loves us, what his call for our lives is. And that that will lead us to just more worship. That we too will be crying, holy, holy, holy. We can know him through what he does because he is what he does. But He is always Yahweh. So we've learnt all that what do we do with it what's it look like for us today it's great to have head knowledge it's always helpful when we read through scriptures i bet next time you see god you're going to think which one is that it's really cool but what do we do with it today i'm thinking most of us will fall into one of two camps one or the other for some of us god will have given you a burning bush what's your burning bush Yahweh uses things in our lives to draw attention to himself. Something unusual in the ordinary life that you know is God. You know because you know because you know. That's God. What is it? Has God given you an invitation to turn aside from everyday life, to draw near to him, to hear his voice, experience his presence, to worship, to know him more intimately, to be known more intimately? if you're listening this morning and you know you've got a burning bush, that God has extended that invitation to come aside and draw near, not just to know about him, but to know him, I can't encourage you enough. Do it. Whether it's today or tomorrow, this week, over the series, do it. Push in. Ask for more. Be bold. Protest if you need to. But don't move away without doing it. There's nothing more important or precious in life than God's presence, and you won't regret it. The next part of that is if you can sit here this morning and say, I know I've been given a burning bush, my next part of that would be, have you been asked to take off your sandals? Is there something in your life that you need to fix? Do you need to offer an apology? Do you need to... I don't know what is it that you need to do something that's preventing you from experiencing god's holiness and worshiping is there something you need to repent of or to ask for forgiveness for sometimes preparing our hearts for worship is really easy and sometimes it's really difficult but it's always always worth it over this series we're encouraging people to learn two verses now if you're sitting here and you go i know what my burning bush is This first verse might be something you choose to focus on and to learn. It's Psalm 8, verse 9. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We could read that as Yahweh, our Adonai. How majestic, how precious, how beautiful, how praiseworthy is your name in all the earth. There is nothing like his name. How amazing is that? You could compare it to mountains or to seas. There's nothing more beautiful or majestic than God's name. I haven't travelled very much, but I've seen pictures of something like the Grand Canyon. God's name is more majestic than anything we could picture. We could spend a lifetime sitting in that verse and contemplating it, hiding it in our hearts. If that's something that's really triggering you this morning, going, yeah, that's something I need to focus on, I'd encourage you, learn it. Hide it in your heart. Ask God to reveal more of Himself to you, His Majesty to you over this series. But the second thing I want to ask you this morning I want you to notice that Yahweh didn't stay in the bush. Having a lovely chat with Moses in the middle of the desert wasn't the end goal. They didn't stay there having a tet tet all nice and cozy forever. if you've recently spent a lot of time with god you've drawn in there's intimacy relationship has been built and you know him by name and he knows you then maybe just maybe this morning Yahweh's sending you out too he sent moses but he went too our god yahweh is a sending god and a going god it's often after we've responded to the invitation to draw near and to have intimacy with him putting aside our own plans and said here i am acknowledging his holiness and his identity that he will give us a greater clarity and a greater sense of purpose an insight into what it is he's asking us to do with him yahweh had heard the cries of the israelites he'd remembered the covenant he'd made with their ancestors he actually couldn't have forgotten it but now it's time for him to act he had compassion and a plan he could have zapped Pharaoh, he could have just wiped him out and all the problems would have been solved, but he didn't. God's plans involve people. They can involve you. God may be wanting you to be the answer to someone else's prayer. We can rest assured that God is a sending and a going God. If Yahweh is asking you to do something, he will give you what you need and he will go with you. The start of verse 12 we read said, and God said, I will be with you. This is where the time worshipping, the time adoring God, the time in his presence will pay off. It's as we know his character, as we experience him, that we will have a firm foundation for our faith. Because this is where our faith is really needed. The results of our obedience are often not evident until long after we've been obedient. The sign Moses was promised was that millions of people would worship God in the same spot. That took a long time and a lot of stuff happened between God saying, now go, and them getting back to that spot. There's a huge amount of story in there. Life for us is often the same. We begin with obedience and there's a huge amount of story before we see a promise fulfilled. A life with Yahweh is often a long walk in the same direction. If this is you today, then I would really encourage you to learn our second verse. We're looking at Psalm 9 verse 10 those who know your name trust in you for you lord have never forsaken those who seek you and we could read this as those who know you and the know is an experiential not an academic knowing this is an experience of god those who know you by experience yahweh they trust in you for you yahweh have never forsaken those who seek you There's something precious about knowing God personally as Yahweh in that intimate spot by the burning bush that's going to set us up ready to obey. Can I please get the worship team back up as I wrap up? If that's you this morning, either of those groups, if you're sitting here going, I know what my burning bush is, or I know that um, God's given me something to do, tell someone. Action it. Give yourself some accountability make it more whatever it looks like for you to make it easier to do if you need to tell someone so that they can ask you how's that going have you spent time with god lately or if they're saying how did you do with that that's going to help you obey help you draw near and i would encourage you moses needed to turn aside to hear yahweh's voice and it was in a bold response that god bold request that god responded and revealed his name we can correctly use Eloah, adon hashem but they're not his name. God wants us to know him as Yahweh. What a privilege to know him more by what he does and who he is. What a privilege to call him Yahweh. Now we have thousands of years of history to look back on, to see his faithfulness, to see his love, his everlasting kindness. We can trust him. We know that it was him who called to Moses because thousands, millions of people did end up worshipping in the same spot. But is God trying to get your attention today? Has he given you a burning bush? Is he inviting you to know and experience more of himself? Is he asking you to partner with him to do something that seems impossible but he's promising to go with you and do it with you? Which verse jumped out at you today? Which one are you going to learn, get a hiding heart and ponder on over these next few weeks? Great. Someone, Mike's going to do both of them. We should all hold him accountable and ask him next week if he knows both of them. I would love you to let someone else know what God's doing in your life. We've talked about the journey training. There's something about doing it together. As we close, I'm going to pray. Would you close your eyes with me and we'll pray together. Yahweh, we love you. We adore you. I thank you that everyone who's here this morning has taken time out of their everyday life to draw aside and be with you. Father, would you bless us with your presence as we continue on into worship now. Father God, we, uh, we do adore you. We can't believe that we get to call you by name. What a privilege. Yahweh, over this next few weeks, would you reveal yourself to us in a fresh and new way as we draw near to you? Father, would you give us a glimpse of who you are, how much you love us, what intimacy and relationship with you looks like, the joy and the peace and the comfort that comes out of spending time with you, Father, would you fill us up until our cups are overflowing so that we can flow onto to others and be a blessing wherever you've put us. Father, if you're drawing us in so that you can send us out, would you make your instructions so clear? Would you give us confirmation that this is your voice? Father, would you help us to obey you with whatever that looks like, even if it seems impossible, Father, you are ascending and a going God, and we thank you for that. Yahweh, you are holy. You are self-existent. You are the I am who I am. And Father, we just struggle to put that into words, but we worship you in the mystery of it. We love you, Lord, and we commit all this week to you. We commit this song to you as we pour out our hearts in worship, and we praise your name. Thank you, Yahweh. Amen.